1: Heavenly Father, we come again with bowed heads and humbled hearts and contrite spirits. Thanking you again, Lord, for another day not promised to us. Lord, I ask that you forgive us of our sins and our iniquities and our shortcomings, our transgressions, Lord, those things that place a veil between you and us. Lord, we are so grateful for this time, Lord, that we have to do your will. We're grateful, Lord, that you have given us the understanding of your word to be able to expose the darkness, Lord, that represent this world, to expose all the things, Lord, that people wanna celebrate and believe in that are so outside of who you are. Lord, our plan today is to expose the unfruitful works of darkness, to help your people, Lord, to stop worshiping these pagan deities. For these individuals, you know, Lord, we think that it's the first time that, you know, this sort of thing has has come up. But Lord, as we plan to do today, Lord, is to show that your people, the children of Israel, have battled against these same entities, these same traditions, Lord, and belief systems that have pushed them so far away from you. So, Lord, I'm asking that we not utter words that don't come from you. I'm asking that you bless every member of this group, Lord. Sarah, Mikkel, Andrew, Ryan, Uh, Jake, Eric and Holly, Martin and Laura, Sue, Lord, um, Sue and her husband, Dan, Tracy, Karen, little Jacob, Lord, all those, Dick and Marge, all those, Lord, that love you and know you, that want to follow you. I'm asking, Lord, that this ministry may grow, that we may be able to bring others into the kingdom. Lord, with this upcoming conference, Lord, please have your hands in it. Take control of it, Lord, that we may speak nothing but the truth, but more importantly, that the eyes of those who can't see may be open and the ears who can't hear. For you are righteous and holy and faithful and just and true God. And Lord, I'm asking right now in your name, in the name of Jesus, I'm asking that you bind every foul spirit, every demonic spirit, every spirit of contention, every spirit of confusion, every every spirit of error, every religious spirit, every spirit of rejection, every spirit of lust, hatred, jealousy, envy, Lord, uh, all uncleanness, Lord. I'm asking that it be bound today. All lying spirits, Lord, let them all be put aside and moved away, Lord, that your word may be made clear. Lord, do what you have to do if it's on the internet or you mean for us to go out and speak. But Lord, I'm asking that those borders that hold us and bound us, let them be moved out of the way that others may hear, Lord. All things that that want to come against this ministry, Lord, I'm asking that they be bound. I don't care who it is, Lord. I don't care if they're people that are within the ministry. If they're in the way, Lord, let them be moved that your word and your truth may come forward. For you are a righteous and holy God. You are the King of kings and Lord of lords, the only true God, worthy to be praised. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right. So for today, the... uh this is our final part, unless, you know, there's another that the Lord wants to move and put in the way. Um, this is the last part of our series, uh, Broad is the Way that Lead it to Destruction. Today, we're going to speak about Catholicism exposed as not a Christian belief. As many of the holidays that it has pushed on us, we'll find out that they are pagan deities, pagan rituals, things that don't have anything to do with our God. And we're only going to quote the truth. For those who don't believe me, look it up yourselves. And if you still choose not to see from that point on, then let the Lord work with you. The right. one thing is for sure is we're going to bring forth the truth. Because I believe that our God, that the individuals that uh, paganism has brought forward, the religious systems and things that are built up, this isn't the first time that the church has had to deal with this the children of Israel had to battle against these same entities. Mm -hmm. And I don't see our God making it so as to where it wasn't okay then, but it's okay, fine, and dandy now. Because we all know that, you know, the Lord doesn't change his ways. If he said a particular thing, then he meant it. You know, the Lord holds his word above his name, and that's something that we have to be conscious of. Exactly. So from here... um, I want to go into the history of Catholicism. We'll read a little of it, you know, when it started, how it started, you know, and what it's turned into today. All right, so we'll begin. This is a page uh, that I've looked up. It's called The Plain Truth About the Roman Catholic Church. Uh, The Roman Catholic Church claims to have started in Matthew 16 and 18, when Christ supposedly appointed Peter as the first Pope. However, the honest and objective student of the scriptures, of an objective student of the scriptures and history soon discovers that the foundation of the Roman church uh, is none other than the pagan uh, mystery religion of ancient Babylon. Now these are bold claims. So let's go to Matthew 16, just to see what the Lord says concerning this because I think a lot of people have a big misunderstanding concerning uh, Matthew uh, 16 and 18. Okay, we'll start at 17, and it says... Uh, and Jesus answered and said unto him, Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood hath now revealed it unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. Now, um, we need to start a little further back because uh, let's start at 13, so that way others would have an understanding. So we're at uh, Matthew 16 and 13. When Jesus came into the coast of uh, Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, Whom do men say that I am, I mean, that I, the son of man, am? And they said, Some say that thou art John the Baptist, some Elias, which means Elijah, and others, uh, Jeremiah, which is Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. Uh, He said unto them, But whom say ye that I am? And Peter answered and said, Thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus answered and said unto him, Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. And I say also unto thee, that thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Okay, so what people don't understand here is they believe that when the Lord said that you are Peter, And Peter, you know, is a name for, you know, little rock or stone, you know, that people think that they were the Lord was referring to Peter here. And clearly the Lord was speaking of the faith that Peter had towards the Lord. The rock itself is always Christ. Mm -hmm. So upon the faith, that type of faith that Peter had, the Lord said that he would build his church. He wasn't saying that Peter was going to be the beginning of the church. Of course, Peter was led first to go out and preach unto the Jews, you know, or the Gentiles and things. But even he
0: had to be corrected.
1: though. Absolutely. So it wasn't upon Peter that the church would be built. The rock would be Christ. So he was saying, you are Peter, but to himself, upon this rock, me, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. How do we know that? Because Jesus himself is called the chief cornerstone. Now, if you're the cornerstone, then upon you, everything is built. Right. Okay, so he wasn't speaking of Peter here being the first pope. But a lot of people think that, you know, um, Peter was the first pope, and this is how it went on. But we're going to debunk that today and a few other things. So I just wanted to make that clear. And from here, we'll go back into the writing. Okay. And it says, while enduring the early persecutions of the Roman government from 65 to 300 A.D., most of professing Christians went through a gradual departure from the New Testament doctrine concerning church government worship and practice. Uh, Local churches ceased to be autonomous uh, by giving way to the control of bishops ruling over hierarchies. The simple form uh, of worship from the uh, heart was replaced with the rituals and splendor of paganism. Ministers became priests and pagans became Christians. Uh, you know, that's in quotations. But simply being sprinkled with water. This tolerance of an unregenerate membership only made things worse. Sprinkled paganism is about the best definition for our Roman Catholicism. Uh, The Roman Emperor Constantine established uh, himself as the head of the church around 313 A.D., which made this new Christianity, in quotations, uh, the official religion of the Roman Empire. The first actual pope in Rome was probably Leo I from 440 to 461 A.D., Although some claim that Gregory I was the first from 590 to 604 A.D., this ungodly system eventually ushered in the darkest period of history known to man, properly properly known as the Dark Ages, from 500 to 1500 A.D. Uh, Through popes, bishops, and priests, Satan ruled Europe, and um, biblical Christianity became illegal. Now again, we intend to prove everything that we're saying here has something to do with it. So we'll continue. Uh, throughout all of this, throughout all of this, however, there remained individual groups of true Christians, such as the Waldensons and the Anabaptists, who would not conform to the Roman system. Now we understand here just from looking at this that the reason why, because a lot of people don't go into it, that the Romans converted converted to Christianity was, it comes from that old saying, if you can't beat them, join them. It clearly states that when they were persecuting Christians, the Christians would not bow, The Holy Ghost just caught more fire and more people began to die for the name of Christ. So as more people converted to being Christians, even though they were being persecuted, at the you know, the desire of eternal life, then, you know, the papacy had to get smart. The Roman Empire turned from, you know, uh, I wouldn't say they turned from their pagan rituals, but they tried to have a form of godliness by denying the power thereof. So what they managed to do was go into all the things that they know and slowly change many of the Christian beliefs to their pagan ritual beliefs. So this is why in 325 A.D. and others that they tried to convert Christians. And, you know, many of them fell for the okie-doke. Not too much that I believe that they believed that it was Christianity, but I believe was these were people who had sacrificed their liberty for safety. These were those who felt like, okay, well, it's going to stop the killing and bring peace. And you see, as Christians ourselves, even in this time period, this day and age, We have to understand that it's not about, you know, peace. It's not about liberty. If that's what you're looking for, just peace, then you're going to go for whatever comes. You know, the Bible describes in the book of Daniel and others that the Antichrist is going to come with peace. You know, he's going to bring forth a tribulation. And after that, many are going to see this man as a savior because of the fact that he keeps them safe. So safety is not a reason to follow Christ. And it's not a reason to yield or to want to have a treaty. We do the body of Christ. We do his work. Mm -hmm. We do what the Lord calls us to do. You know, if trouble should come our way, then it comes our way. So what? But it's all about the faith that we must maintain in Jesus Christ. Okay, so we'll keep reading. Yeah. yeah, uh, That was when Constantine actually, I believe he made
0: Christmas like a must. Holiday. Yeah, he's the one that I mean. Obviously, Christmas was it's Babylonian pagan worship, anyways. But he's the one he Christianized it. And he made it, you know, where you had to worship it or he kill you, basically. Kind of
1: thing. Yeah, you know, and that's the whole thing is like he's trying really hard to. um I mean, well, he tried really hard to get people on board. So what did Satan want from this? This is something we ought to recognize. Satan will bring peace if it means that you worship him. Right. You see, it's the worship. It's, it's whatever it takes to lose your faith is what the devil based things on. And that's why we have to understand that this warfare is warfare. spiritual, and it's the Lord's fight
0: mm-hmm.
1: of oh, the papacy and priesthood. In the Bible, there are no popes or priests to rule over the church. Jesus Christ is our high priest. Hebrews three one. Now let's go there real quick, just to prove that. A lot of people will not do their research on this
0: because they'd rather stay bound in
1: the traditions. Yeah, you know, religion is an, is a really ugly monster, and I mean, I hope that eventually, you know, it's only going to get worse. But I'm hoping that the Lord really does something about those that we know that are religious. Right. Because religion, above all things, is going to keep people bound. Okay, so Hebrews 3, will start at verse 1. Wherefore, holy brethren, partakers of the heavenly calling, consider the apostle and high priest of our profession, Christ Jesus, who is faithful to him that appointed him, as also Moses was faithful in his all uh, in all his house, for this man was counted worthy of more glory than Moses, inasmuch as he who hath built the house uh, hath more honor than the house. Uh, for every house is built uh, by uh, by some man, uh, but he that built all things is God. And Moses verily uh, was faithful and all his house uh, as the servant for the testimony uh, and testimony of those things which were to be spoken after. So, you know, we understand here, again, like Hebrews says, that Jesus is the high priest. There's no such thing as a pope. There's no such thing as a vicar of Christ. There's no such thing as an individual that is a mediator between heaven and earth. Mm-hmm. Um, the
0: One other thing real quick is that even though Moses was the leader of his people, it also says here that he was a servant. That's right. So, you know, that's another thing where it's like, okay, you're the pastor of the church, but you're a servant of the people, not, you know, you're over them, but you're also a servant of them. And I know that you said this a while back, it's like, the the, the pastor should be going out to the people. You have enough food. Can I help you do this? You know, can. What do you need? What do you need me to do? Mm-hmm. Just, you know, not just oh, come bow before the great and mighty Reverend Trevor. <laughs> no,
1: exactly. You know, and that's the doctrine of the Nicolaitans that mm-hmm. the Lord hates. Thanks. Yeah. You know that word for Nicolaitans in the seven churches. One, Nico, ruler over the people. Mm-hmm. You know that's what it means. Nicolaitans, ruler over the people. Yeah. Nico, Nicholas. You know, laity, you know, the peons, the people that are beneath. Okay, so, um, yeah, we'll go to, uh, we'll stay in the same um, epistle. We'll just go to Hebrews 4 and 14 to prove this point again. All right, and it says, For we have not an high priest, which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like we are, I mean tempted like as we are, yet without sin. You know, and it says, Oh, actually I'll start it over. I meant to read this other part, fourteen. Seeing that seeing then that we have a great high priest that is passed into the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our profession. For we have not an high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. Uh, Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find our grace to help in time of need. So what we understand here is, again, it's about Jesus Christ. He's the high priest. It doesn't reference here any pastor, any bishop, any cardinal, okay, any archbishop. This is all about Between Jesus and his people, you know, you want to um, obtain mercy and grace, you go before the throne of God, not the throne of the Vatican, not kneeling down, kissing some Pope's ring, but you're going straight to Christ. And this is in the Latin Vulgate. So why they don't understand it, I have no idea. But you see, religion itself is a blinding force that we even have to check on ourselves from time to time, Mm -hmm. because you're so driven in what you're doing and what feels right and what's traditional that you're not following the truth of jesus christ and that's what it's about exactly. okay so we'll go to uh hebrews uh five and we'll start at verse five we're going to hit this point again hopefully it'll be like driving a nail into people's minds so they have an understanding of the truth of god right uh, uh hebrews five verse five so also christ glorified not himself to be made an high priest. But he that said unto him, Thou art my son, today have I begotten thee. As he saith also in another place, Thou art a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. So Jesus is in this order of priesthood. He's also a king. So he's from the tribe of Judah. He has the priesthood and he is the last priest forever. We don't need another to try and come forward and bring forth more truth at the end of time when he's already done it now we have a work to do in the ministry ourselves and the gifts of the ministry uh, the offices are fivefold apostles pastors teachers evangelists and prophets you know but these are this is the order that we should function in as the body of christ it has nothing to do with a building It has nothing to do with other things that people want to get into It's about the body itself being active as one body together, individually out and about doing the work of the ministry Yeah.
0: Another thing I was going to say as well is that with the fivefold ministry, and I'm not saying that there's anything wrong with helping within the church, especially, you know, if it's under, you know, Jesus Christ, but the church has become extremely political these days, which also follows... Falls under Roman Catholicism because Roman Catholicism is a political system.
1: Mm-hmm. And that's
0: exactly how many Christian churches these days are functioning. They're very political about what they do inside. They have the deacons and they have the ushers, and it's not mm-hmm. the fivefold ministry of the Bible, it's the fivefold ministry or the perverted ministry of the Roman Catholic Church.
1: Exactly. And this is what we have to recognize. Are we religious? Or uh, are we seeking relationship? Are we following the true God? Or are we following the traditions of men? All right, so let's go to um, Hebrews 8. We'll start at the first verse again. Now of the things which we have spoken, uh, this is the sum. We have such an high priest who is set on the right hand of the throne for the majesty in the heavens. Uh, a minister of the sanctuary and of the true tabernacle which the Lord's pitched, the Lord pitched and not a uh, man. So this tells you here for every uh, in verse three, for every high priest is ordained to offer gifts and sacrifices, wherefore it is a necessity that this man have somewhat also to offer. So again, we know that Jesus Christ is that high priest, he is that king, he's that majesty. He offered a sacrifice. So that's something that we have to realize, mm-hmm. you know, and he gave gifts unto men. So this proves him that he's the only priest and final that we need concerning our faith. Exactly. There's no mediator between Christ and, um, and us. Uh, let's go to Hebrews 9. We'll start at the 11th verse. And it says, But Christ being come in a high priest of good things to come by a greater and more perfect tabernacle, not made with hands. That is to say, not um, not of this building, neither by the blood of goats and calves, but by his own blood, he entered in once into the holy place, having obtained eternal redemption for us. You know, so again, it tells you right there. It's all about the Lord, his sacrifice towards us, the things that we need to focus on, not religion, and to Jesus Christ. So I'll continue to read. And all true Christians make up a spiritual priesthood. Now we know that this is true. Let's go to 1 Peter 2. So it's not about the laity, okay, and and the ones, the clergy. That right. govern over everyone else. Alright, first Peter two, and we'll start at the fifth verse. Uh ye also, as lively stones, are built up a spiritual house in holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God by Jesus Christ. So that tells you there. Uh, let's read the next verse. Wherefore also it is contained in the scripture. Behold, I lay in Sion a chief cornerstone, elect precious, and he that believeth on him shall not be confounded. So we understand, too, that proves our other point about the chief cornerstone concerning Peter. Now, Peter is telling you who that stone is in Matthew 16. But people overlook this and go right towards Peter. You know, and that that thing in St. Peter's Basilica ain't Peter anyway, it's Zeus. Or Jupiter, as they would say in the Roman um, uh, tradition. Okay, so that tells you right here, Peter's telling you upon the church being built by this this rock. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: All right, so I guess I'll keep reading some more and then we'll get into the good stuff. Uh, Jesus Christ had sanctified all Christians who believe on him. Let's go to Hebrews 10. I know some people would be thinking, what does this have to do with Catholicism? Oh, we'll get there. Just remember the scriptures. Hebrews 10, we'll start at verse 10. 10 and 11. Uh, By the which will we are, I mean, will we are sanctified through the offering of the body of uh, Jesus Christ once for all. And every priest standeth daily ministering and offering oftentimes uh, the same sacrifices, which can never take away sins. So this tells you a difference here between one, following the Lord Jesus Christ, two, being religious and trying to keep up the law. You can't, they never could um, cleanse us from sin. They were only meant to, in some ways, appease the Lord through sacrifice for sins. But it would have been an ongoing work. So Jesus Christ, with the new covenant through his shed blood, did it for all time. This is why you can't keep the law of Moses. It doesn't go together. And you read in Paul, Galatians, if you do the law, then you have to do the whole law. So that, that includes this. But you're not able to, which is why that veil Well, that most holy place was rent in half because the Lord was done with that. There is no more of that going on.
0: Mm
1: -hmm. Okay, so um, we'll keep reading. So all priests today are unnecessary and unscriptural. Furthermore, the practice of calling a priest father is forbidden uh, by Jesus Christ. Uh, Let's go to Matthew uh, 23 to prove that. So you're not supposed to call someone a priest, okay, or father, but these people do it anyways, which goes to show you they're not following the God of the Bible. Now, some people may think these things are minor, you know, I don't know, but we're going to get to the thick of it. Well, and you know that,
0: I guess in some ways, all these works, and it wasn't that the high priests weren't doing what they were supposed to do, or but look at all these other religions now who are doing these works and it's all
1: focused upon the work not about serving Jesus Christ exactly matter of fact we'll start at 23 verse 1 because there's something else I want to make clear here so this is Matthew 23 verse 1 then spake Jesus to the multitude and his disciples saying the scribes and the Pharisees sit in Moses' seat all therefore whatsoever they bid you observe uh, that observe and do, uh, but do not ye after their works, for they say, and do not. So they're hypocrites. Mm-hmm. For they bind heavy burdens and grievous and grievous to be born and lay them on men's shoulders, but they themselves will not move, will not move them with one of their uh, fingers. But all their works they do um, for the, Oh, for to be seen of men, they make broad uh, their phylacteries and enlarge the borders of their garments and love the uppermost rooms at feast and the chief seats uh, in the synagogues. Isn't it funny how when you look at a lot of false religions today, even a subject as far as Buddhism, having the Dalai Lama, you got these rabbis, which are high priests, that these people sit around and obey everything that you tell them. You know, even when they have the Pope on the news and he's going into, um, you know, the cathedrals, oh, they'll, you know, quiet it down like it's golf or something. The Pope's about to make his way in. Yeah, he's uh going forward and yeah, he's met with the bishops and everything else and he sits down and this is, this is not some type of, you know, spectacular sporting event. This is about, right, but this is the arrogance that people have towards this. And it's just like Jesus says here in uh, Matthew um, 23, 5, but all their works they do for to be seen of men. They make broad their phylacteries and enlarge the borders of their garments. So this is why, you know, you'll see gold everywhere and the nice colors. And the peons, I guess the, the uh, laity, they get to just sit there and be normal people, but they want to admire and be in awe. See, Jesus is totally against this, so we'll keep reading. Uh, Yeah, and love the uppermost rooms uh, at feast and their chief seats in the synagogues. You see this in modern Christian churches. Okay, uh, seven, and greetings in the market, in the markets uh, to be called of men, Rabbi, Rabbi, but be ye not called Rabbi, for one is your master, even Christ, and all ye are brethren and call no man your father upon the earth. For one is your father, which is in heaven. Neither uh, be ye called masters, for one is your master, even Christ. But he that is greatest among you shall be your servant. So you understand here, it's not about being served like a lot of the false religions do, and the Roman Catholics like to do. It's about following the Lord and what he tells you to do. Right. It's about being a servant. Now, how are they serving the people living off the backs of everyone's donations?
0: And they get carried in,
1: too. Yeah, carried in and all kinds of stuff. And Jesus didn't do any of this stuff, you know? So I don't understand where people equate. You know, you read here that the Bible says, call no man your father. So basically, you know, to a lot of Roman Catholics out there with sincerity, many of them feel like, well, there's nothing wrong with it. It's tradition. If you read Matthew 23 here, it states clearly that you're offending the Lord. You're placing another person in the place of Christ just to try and get some attention or just to try and be a part of something. So you're in sin. You're not following the God of the Bible. You're not following uh, the words of Jesus Christ. Now, if he's the mediator between man and God the Father, that you know that his word is what's going to get you into the kingdom of heaven, not in the words of men. Okay. So I just wanted to read that just to prove a point. This is not about trying to shatter someone else's belief system. This is about presenting the truth so that people won't face damnation of hell, recognizing that Jesus Christ is the only mediator, and he is the author and finisher of our faith, and there is no need of another man to to take that role or to stand in place of him. Okay, so uh, we'll keep reading. There is only one mediator between God and men. Now let's go to uh, 1 Timothy 2, because I really want to get as much scripture in, as much understanding so that people can look at it, it's not me. It's not something I'm saying. Read the Bible for yourself. Never mind what people tell you. The Bible says that broad is the way that leadeth to destruction, and many there be that go therein. But what does He say? Um, narrow is the gate, and uh, and few there be that find it. So it's not going to be these big, massive groups walking into the kingdom of heaven.
0: Also, when Christ says that you will be hated for my name.
1: That's right. First uh, Corinthians two. I mean, First um, Timothy uh, chapter two. Sorry, guys. Uh, I exhort therefore uh, that first of all supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men, for kings and for all that are in authority, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty. For so this is good and acceptable in the sight of God, our savior. They're calling Jesus God right here, uh, verse, verse four, who will have all men to be saved and to come unto the knowledge of the truth. There is one God and one mediator uh, between God and men, the man Christ Jesus. Who gave himself a ransom for all to be testified in due time? Whereunto I am ordained a preacher and an apostle. I speak the truth in Christ and lie not, a teacher of the Gentiles in faith and verity. So this tells you here that Paul himself is a preacher a, ordained by the Lord, not of the papacy, not of Catholicism, not of holy not of the Holy Roman Empire. This is all about the truth presenting in Jesus Christ. No mediator, no Mary, no any of the other stuff. Just Jesus Christ. Okay? So everybody, you understand that so far? Yes. All right, let's keep reading. The Catholic Church teaches that Peter was the first pope and the earthly head of the church. But the Bible never says this once. In fact, Uh, It was Peter himself who spoke against uh, being lords over God's um, heritage. Okay, let's go to uh, to prove this is so. Let's go to uh, first Peter five. First Peter five, and we'll start at the third verse. Uh, matter of fact, let's start in verse one. The elders which are among you, I exhort, who am also an elder uh and oh, and a witness of the sufferings of Christ and also a partaker of the glory that shall be revealed. Feed the flock of God which is among you, taking the oversight thereof, not by constraint, but willingly, not for filthy lucre, but in a ready mind, but of a ready mind, verse three, neither as being lords over God's heritage, uh, but being examples uh, to the flock. So this tells you here that our Lord, again, Peter himself is here saying they were not supposed to be gods or lords over God's heritage, okay? So as far as Peter being the first pope, That's false when you can hear from Peter himself saying, look at verse four, and when the chief shepherd shall appear, ye shall uh, receive a crown of glory that fadeth not away. So Peter's telling you here, he is no vicar between Christ and the father. You know, he's just a disciple, a follower of Jesus that decided to go out and do the work of the Lord, plain and simple. So as far as a vicar is concerned, no, Peter wasn't the first pope. That's a lie okay um let's see popes do not marry although peter did you know now you know that in matthew 8 or first corinthians 9 5 the bible never speaks of peter being in rome and it was paul not peter who wrote the epistle of the romans in the new testament paul wrote 100 chapters with 2325 verses while peter wrote only eight chapters with 166 verses. Okay, so this person has done their homework concerning how many chapters. I can't say if it's one more or one less, but one thing we know for sure is Paul wrote the majority of the New Testament compared to anyone else. So that is factual, regardless of what the numbers say. In Peter's first epistle, he stated that he was simply an apostle of Jesus Christ, not a Pope. That's... um. Let's go to First Peter, While we're there. First Peter 1 and 1. Simon Peter, a servant of an apostle, a servant and an apostle of Jesus Christ, to them that have obtained like precious faith with us through the righteousness of God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. So that tells you right there, he's just a servant of the Lord. The Pope um, himself speaks of being in place of. That's what the vicar is. You know, the vicar of Christ, the Pope, says that he's in place of. It. So that tells you clearly right there, the Pope himself is not a servant of Christ. You know, he's a servant of Baal, but we'll go further into it. We're not going to get ahead of it. Okay. Um, oh, oops. First uh, Peter one one. It says pretty much the same yeah. thing. But yeah, First 1 Peter 1, one it says, Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, uh, to the strangers scattered throughout Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, uh, Asia, and uh, Bithynia, uh, elect according to the foreknowledge of God the Father through sanctification of the Spirit unto obedience and sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ, grace uh, unto you and peace be multiplied Funny thing is, I went to Peter 1-1, but Peter 1-2, I mean, or 2nd Peter 2, I mean, 1 speaks of the fact that, you know, he just announced himself as a servant. That's true. There was nothing more than that. Okay, the Roman papacy and priesthood is just a huge fraud to keep members in bondage, to keep corrupt pagan church. I mean, to a corrupt pagan church. Now, what we need to understand here is... Um, You know, we need to get into um, the scriptures to prove this. We're not giving our own opinion here. This is not about hatred. This is about freeing people from religion and into an interrelationship with Jesus Christ. As long as you're involved in religion, you will get no closer to the Lord than you already were. The Lord gives you an open doorway to fellowship with him, to walk into the most holy place, to preach. I mean, not to preach, to pray, yeah, to preach and do the work of the ministry where religion itself gives you their standards. This is what you need to do in order to get closer. But it's funny, somehow you never fully do. You never fully get into the uh, what the Lord said that every believer should have. What happened to the uh, apostles in Acts, the second chapter? What Jesus said in Matthew or Mark 16, 15, these signs shall follow them that believe you know, casting out devils, speaking with new tongues, you know, um, uh, taking up serpents, drinking any deadly thing and it won't harm you, laying hands on the sick and they shall recover. These are the promises of believers of Jesus Christ, where religion itself will never allow you to get there. Okay, um, so from here, let's go into some of the Catholic false doctrines. We'll read through some of these and then we'll compare them to the scriptures. This is called uh, Catholic Church, False Doctrines. The Roman Catholic Church has the largest number of followers of all denominations and religions, and yet her teachings and doctrines can be clearly exposed as being false. So many sincere people have been deceived by this church which is why we have created this page to expose some of these false teachings and doctrines. Okay, Catholic false doctrine number one. The Roman Catholic Church claims to have power over the Bible and authority to change it whenever they see fit. Now uh, let's look into this. The Pope has the power to change times and abrogate laws and to dispense with all things Even the precepts of Christ, the Pope has the authority and often exercised it to dispense with all command, I mean, with the command of Christ. Uh, Decretal de uh, uh, Translantic Episcop. Uh, The Pope can modify divine laws. I guess that's in uh, Latin. Mm -hmm. The Pope can modify divine laws. Uh, Ferrari's Ecclesiastical Dictionary well the authority of the church could therefore not be not be bound to the authority of the scriptures because the church has changed the sabbath into sunday not by command of christ but by its own authority canon and tradition page 263 the doctrines of the catholic church are entirely independent of holy scriptures Familiar explanation of Catholic doctrine, Reverend M. Mueller, or Mueller, page 151. Okay, so one thing I want to do here is I want to go into Daniel 7. Well, matter of fact, let's keep reading and then we'll go there. So get set for Daniel 7, but we'll go into this and keep reading. Where in God's word uh, does he give any kind of authority to a person? other than Christ or a church body to change his laws or his word. Nowhere. Even if uh, it was true that Jesus said he would build his church upon Peter, isn't it, I mean, which it isn't, uh, see, uh, was Peter the first pope? That still doesn't give a mere mortal, sinful man the authority to change the precepts of our almighty, most holy, Create a God, not a chance. Uh, What blasphemy to even think, to even think it. So does God say we must live by the words of the Pope or by the words of God himself. So that tells you here, you know, we're going to hit something real quick. Let's go to um, uh, Psalm 12. Psalm 12 says in the uh, sixth verse, the words of the Lord are pure words as silver tried in the furnace of earth, purified seven times. Thou shalt keep them, O Lord. Thou shalt preserve them from this generation forever. The wicked walk on every side when the vilest men are exalted. Isn't it funny how they spoke of keeping the words of the Lord here? And then the last thing is, the wicked walk on every side when the vilest men are exalted. So only vile-minded people would even think that they can do such a thing to change times and laws. Let's go to Matthew 24. Real quick. Matthew 24, and I think we'll get started at the 34th verse. See there? All right. Verily I say unto you, this generation shall not pass till all these things be fulfilled. Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my words shall not pass away. So that tells you right then and there that the Lord's word stands. The Bible even says that the Lord places his word above his name. Right. The Lord finds his, you know, places his word above his name. You know, so that's something that we need to pay attention to is that when God says a thing, His word stands regardless of what anyone thinks should come of it. Okay, so I'll read into uh, I'll read the rest of this. Um, let's go to Matthew four. Matthew four, and as a matter of fact, before we go there, let's go to Daniel seven because. I believe that Daniel 7 also explains what kind of spirit that we're dealing with for anyone who believes that they can change, you know, whatever they want to. We'll start at the uh, 25th verse. Daniel 7 and 25, it says, And this is speaking of the Antichrist. This is speaking of the individual's. That would come the spirit of Antichrist. But Daniel 7 and 25 says, as he shall speak great words against the Most High and shall wear out the saints of the Most High. Now, let's understand this. If you call yourself the vicar of Christ, that tells you clearly that you are above, you know, or it, it really does uh, speak great things against God because God says that there's only one mediator and that's Jesus Christ. OK, so if you want to speak against the words of the Lord by calling yourself the vicar, that is totally Antichrist. OK, so it says again in uh, verse 25, and he shall speak great words against the Most High and shall wear out the saints of the Most High. Now, when did that happen? The Catholic Church or the, the Roman Empire has been trying to persecute Christians from the beginning, ever since 70 AD and, and, and you know, beyond. So we know that this is true. Then it says, and think to change times and laws, and they shall be given into his hand until a time and times and a dividing of time. So that tells you right there that, you know, this Antichrist, this Antichrist system would seek to change times and laws. So this is no mystery to the Christian following the Lord, because the Lord himself revealed to Daniel that this would be so. You even see the same thing written in Daniel 11, so it makes no sense. So you got something? Okay, yeah, so let's go to um, Psalm, uh, what's that, 138? Two? Okay. All right, let's go to Psalm 138. Okay, Psalm 138, we'll start at verse 1. I will praise thee with my whole heart uh, before the gods. uh, Will I sing praise unto thee? I will worship toward thy holy temple and praise thy name for thy loving kindness and for thy truth. For thou hast magnified thy word above all thy name. So that tells you right there that the word of the Lord stands. Now, there are two words in the Hebrew, you know, in the Greek for um, for a word, you know, uh, one is the logos, which is the written word. And there's the rhema, which is the spoken word of God. They're both preserved and no man can change them. God's word, his prophecy is 100 percent accurate. There's nothing that anyone can do to try and change it. So that's why it says he will seek to change times and laws. He may change them as far as the understanding of people, but what he won't do is change what God said he will do. So it's a waste of time for them to even believe this. Okay, let's go to uh, Matthew 4 and verse 4. And, you know, I don't believe that Catholics themselves are bad people at all. I believe that many of them believe that they are seeking the right Jesus. I think many of them are sincere. They speak out against abortion. You know, there's a lot of things that they do correct. But the problem is that their doctrine is false. Right. They just need to switch up a few things. And I mean, they are Bible-believing Christians. Mm-hmm. There are things that they have to get rid of, to understanding the truth. Not for my sake. I don't want them to believe like I believe. I want them to seek the real God. And that's what it's all about. It's got nothing to do with us. Well,
0: it's not to believe in a person.
1: Exactly. You know, and, you know, it's no disrespect to them, but, you know, they've been duped behind, you know, this satanic belief system that tries to Christianize things. And the Bible says to have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness. So we'll go to Matthew 4, and we'll start at verse 4. But he answered and said, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. So it says here, out of the mouth of God. When we speak the words of God, we read the Bible, unless we have the gift of prophecy to be able to say it. But again, there are certain rules around prophecy. That they will come true if they've come from the Lord. If they haven't, then they won't be true. Exactly. Okay, let's go to First uh, Peter 1 again. Staying a lot in Peter for somebody who they claim is, you know, the first Pope. Peter is the witness to say he isn't. And that's why, it also, with everything that we read,
0: is not canon, we have
1: to be careful because if it doesn't back up with scripture, then it's not of God, you know, it's not of Christ Absolutely scripture. Absolutely Okay First um, Peter 1, we'll start at the 24th verse uh, For all flesh is as grass and all the glory of man as the flower of grass uh, the grass withereth and the flower thereof falleth away. But the word of the Lord endures forever, and this is the word which by the gospel is preached unto you. So that tells you there, no one changing God's word or doing anything with it. Okay, God's word is God's word. The best you can do is translate it from the original Greek and Hebrew into your language. That's it. But as far as changing the scriptures, They better match up with what God's word says. That's right. Uh, Hebrews 4.12 says, For the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit, and of the joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. So, you know, anyone that's even thinking that they're going to change something, Concerning God's word, then you'd have to say to yourself that they're not following the word of God. You know, if you're meaning to change it, that shows the intent in your heart. Your heart is controlled. Your heart is anti Christ. Okay, so we'll keep reading. Uh, this is, uh, this is very clear. We are to live by the word of God alone, which means no man or, or church has been given the authority to change God's Word. Is the Word of the Pope able to discern the thoughts and intents of the heart? No, only God is able to, to do this. Therefore, the Pope cannot have any authority over God's Word in the Bible. So that's just the first doctrine, and look how much we've covered. The first false doctrine, there are 12 here, but we'll go further. Uh, Catholic false doctrine, uh, 2. Uh, the Roman Catholic Church spells the gospel through indulgence or sells the gospel through indulgence the church also commends uh, almsgiving indulgence the works of of penance uh undertaken on half, on behalf of the dead and indulgence as partial or uh, plenary or plenary according uh, as it removes either part of all or, I mean, of the temporal punishment due to sin. Indulgences may be applied to the living or the dead. Catholic catechism, that's what the guy put in um, parentheses. Uh, The Roman Catholic Church teaches that after death, everyone who has sinned will go to purgatory where they will face punishment for their sins. After this, they are then allowed into the heavenly kingdom uh, once they have paid for their sins. Oh man, isn't that nice of them? You know, after they run out their bill for you, you know, you finally get to make it out. I think that's thoughtful, what do you think? I mean, after all, you did pay for it, right? So therefore, you know, they'll give you what you paid for. Christ
0: is the only one that
1: for Exactly. Exactly. So, Lord, forgive my sarcasm, but, you know, it's, you know, what a false doctrine. Exactly. Uh, but with the indulgence, you can pay the church some money and you will uh, receive an indulgence, which will either reduce your time in purgatory or erase it altogether. You need your money, too, you see. Well, look this, look at this is um, the The evangelist
0: are
1: doing this nonsense, too. Well, here's also the point. And I want to ask every Roman Catholic this question. Has anyone ever observed this? Has anyone ever seen someone move from purgatory to forgiveness into the kingdom of heaven? Then why do you believe this? Now, some may make the argument about heaven and hell, but you see, we follow a God whose word is true. The fact that when he says a thing, it comes to pass. So this is where we place our belief, because everything he said in history, in life, you know, throughout time has come true. Okay, so my question is, why do you believe this if you yourselves have not observed this? You have to follow the Lord. Okay, Um, uh, we'll keep reading. By the way, the Vatican was built on indulgence and Martin Luther exposed the error of indulgence back in the 1500s with his 95 pieces. Now, anyone who knows the Bible will see that there is grave error in this teaching because not only is the grace of God a free gift to anyone, but Jesus Christ or Christ Jesus paid uh, the full price for our sins. And what did Simon Magnus, the pagan sorcerer, try to do? He tried to buy the gift of God with money, And the Apostle Peter sharply rebuked him in very strong words, telling him that his money will die with him. Mm-hmm. Isn't that funny how this Pope, the first Pope, Peter, refused to take any money. So what's your excuse for wanting to follow him? Peter was not a Pope. Peter had nothing to do with what they're saying he had to do with. They have taken scriptures and they have twisted them. Thanks, sir a- I was wondering
0: if I could- Go ahead. Okay. This is uh, Matthew chapter six, verse one. Take heed that you do not do your alms before men, to be seen of them. Otherwise, you have no reward of your father, which is in heaven. Therefore, when thou doest thine alms, do not sound a trumpet before thee, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may have the that they may have glory of men. Verily, I say unto you. They have their reward, but when, thou do, but when thou doest alms, let not thy left hand know what thy right hand doeth, that thine alms may be in sincerity, and thy father, which seeth in secret himself, shall reward thee openly.
1: That's right, you know, so that clears up exactly, you know, what we're talking about here. So, you know, Catholicism didn't start with the Catholics. You'll find that it's an old Babylonian worship that goes way back. You know, Ephesians two eight says, uh, For by grace are ye saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. So that tells you right there, and I like that this guy uses the King James Bible, but that's the thing that it tells you there, that you cannot earn your salvation. Yes, we have works to do in the Lord, but it's not for your salvation. That comes through faith. You know, the works of the Lord means when the, when you're sanctified or the Lord is working through you to make a thing happen. Exactly. But that has nothing to do with your salvation. That is a gift. It takes faith in order to have it. Exactly. There's nothing that you have to do to obtain it. But there are works that will be done through your salvation, exactly. not to obtain it, but through your salvation. If you're saved, then you are a changed being. Then you will have good works. Right. And that's when James says faith without works is dead. Okay. But he said faith without works. He didn't say works without faith. Right. You know, so he put the the horse in front of the cart as it should be. Mm -hmm. Uh, Let's see. Uh, Have you ever heard of a free gift that you had to pay for? So why does the Catholic Church do this? So they can line their pockets with filthy money. Uh, and did you know that the Vatican was built from the selling of indulgences? Yes. It was not only built upon the pagan burial site, it was built from selling the gospel. And I agree. Okay, Catholic false doctrine. Uh, number three, the Roman Catholic Church claims... Uh, that Mary was sinless. The church has become ever more aware that Mary, full of grace, uh, they put that in quotations, (laughs) full of grace through God was redeemed from the moment of her conception. This is what the dogma of the Immaculate Conception confesses. Mary was, from the first moment of her conception, uh, preserved, immune from all stain, Oh, yeah, amused, immune from all stain of original sin. Catechism of the Catholic Church, page 491. Not only does the Catholic, not only does the Bible declare that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, uh, Romans three twenty three, but Mary herself declared that she needed a Savior. Okay, let's go to Luke uh, 1. Again, you'll have people that will read this and hear this and, you know, a religious mind is closed. Mm -hmm. We're only bringing forth the truth because I love my Catholic brothers and sisters wanting them to come to the truth, not for the sake of, ha ha, you know, I got (laughs) you. You know, my God is better than yours. It's nothing to do with that. I love the Catholics. That's why I'm telling you the truth. It's not the benefit of trying to one up you. It's hoping that you become free and you come to the truth of Jesus Christ and His gospel. And that's
0: the thing when you love somebody, you will tell
1: them the truth. Absolutely. Okay, we'll go to Luke 1 and we'll start at the 45th verse. Uh, And blessed is she that believeth, for there shall be a performance Of those things which were told her from the Lord. And Mary said, My soul doth uh, magnify the Lord, and my spirit hath rejoiced in God, my Savior. You know, so that tells you right there that God was her Savior. You know that they're speaking of Jesus Christ because Jesus Himself is the only Savior that we have. Okay? All right, so that proves that point. We'll keep going. Catholic uh, false doctrine four. the Roman Catholic Church claimed that Mary is in heaven and is co-redeemer with Jesus, that we may rightly say uh, she, Mary, redeemed the human race together with Christ, Benedict the 15th, enter Soledicea 1918. Okay, so this is what he said. Uh, in fact, by being assumed into heaven, uh, she, Mary, has not laid aside the office of salvation, but by uh, the manifold intercession, she continues to obtain for us the grace of eternal salvation. Uh, John Paul II uh, dives in uh, misericordia. That's what I think it, it means. Uh, Misericordia uh, 1980 quoting lumen uh, Genito okay um, praise God that we have His word to expose these false and dangerous teachings. There is only one mediator between God and man and that is Christ Jesus. The Bible also reveals that those who have died in Christ are still in their graves awaiting the resurrection. Mary is in her grave, not in heaven. Again, one mediator. And to prove this, let's go to, uh, Acts, uh, 12. Let's see. No, it's not Acts 12, it's Acts 4. It's Acts 4, and it's the 12th verse. Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men, whereby we must be saved. So that tells you right there that it's Jesus Christ, not Mary. And you know, people might wonder, why are they so Mary conscious? Why is it always Mary, Mary, Mary? What is the goal here? We're gonna get deep into what this Mary thing is, you are going to find out it's not the Mary of Jesus, the mother of Jesus at all. But another attempt for the Catholic Church to push up their pagan deities. Okay, uh, Catholic False Doctrine 5. The Roman Catholic Church claims that salvation is only possible through herself. Uh, there is no salvation outside of church, outside the church of uh, Roman Catholic Church. Uh, Pope John Paul II, radio message for uh, Franciscan, or Franciscan Franciscan, I guess it's for Franciscan Vigil uh, at St. Peter's uh, and Assisi, uh, October 3rd, 1981. Salvation is to be found nowhere but in the church, Roman Catholic Church. The strong and effective instrument of salvation is none other uh, than the Roman pont- Pontificate. Uh, Pope Leo the Thirteenth, um, elocution uh, for the twenty-fifth anniversary of his election, uh, February twentieth, nineteen o three. Papal teachings, the Church, Benedictine. Uh, monks and Solzmits, or uh, Solzmits, Solzmits, St. <laughs> uh, Paul edition, Editions, Boston, uh, 1962, uh, par 653. Again, the Bible exposes this teaching of the Roman Catholic Church as false. Not only that, it is one of the most dangerous doctrines there is. To say that salvation lies only within the Roman Catholic Church is blasphemous against the Holy One who can save us, which is Jesus Christ. Acts 4, you know, 10 through 12 again. It says, uh, be it known unto you all and to all the people of Israel that by the name of the Nazareth, by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom he crucified, whom God raised from the dead, even by them, even by him doth this a man stand here before you, hold. This is the stone which was set to, at naught of your builders, of you builders, which has become the head of the corner. Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name given amongst men, under heaven, given among men, hereby, whereby uh, we must be saved. So that tells you again, it just repeats it, it brings it clearer. As to the fact of the matter is, Jesus, there's no way around him. There's no putting anything in place of him. It's all about Jesus Christ. And if you're not following Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ only, you are in false doctrine and you're in a false religion. Catholic false doctrine six. The Roman Catholic Church claim that Sunday is the weekly uh, Holy Sabbath day it is necessary to hold Sunday in special high regard in order to remain united to Christ as it is the day dedicated to the Lord. Message of Pope Benedict Sixteenth uh, to the participants in the Ninth International Youth Forum, Rocco di Papa, which is uh, uh, page 28 uh, to 31, March 2007 from the Vatican, March 28, 2007. People cannot be sanctified except on Sunday that Christ transferred Sabbath uh, sacredness to Sunday uh, that only those who keep Sunday belong to Christ that only on Sunday uh, does the risen uh, Lord make himself present amongst his followers that only these worship God uh, properly and that may sunday regain all its uh, importance letter of pope benedict the 16th uh, to cardinal uh, francis uh arins, arins uh on the occasion of the study day in honor of the 43rd anniversary of the uh, promulgation promulgation of the uh, constitution uh, on the sacred liturgy, <laughs> uh, Sacrosanctum uh, Concilium, I guess council uh, from the Vatican on November 27th, 2006. What day did God declare was his weekly Holy Sabbath day? Genesis two, let's go there. Well, no matter of fact, let's just read this. Genesis two, uh, two and three. and one. Uh, and on the seventh day, God intended his work, which he had made, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work, which he uh, had made. And God blessed the seventh day and sanctified it because that in it he had uh, rested from all his work, which God created and made. Isaiah 58. Uh, Let's go there real quick. Yeah, but, you know, this is all laying out the truth. So we're at uh, Isaiah 58. We'll start at the 13th verse. And it says, If thou turn away thy foot from the Sabbath, from doing thy pleasure on mine holy day, uh, and call the Sabbath a delight, the holy... Of the Lord, uh, honorable, and and shall honor him, uh, not doing thine own ways, nor finding thine own pleasure, nor speaking thine own words. Then shalt thou delight thyself in the Lord, and I will cause thee to ride upon the high places of the earth, and feed thee with the inheritance of Jacob, of uh, thy father. For the mouth of the Lord hath spoken it. So what we need to understand here is. That there is no day to replace the Sabbath. Mm -hmm. Plain and simple. It's the holy day of the Lord. The reason why they choose Sunday. Is because these people were into sun worship. That goes back to Babylon. It's the worship day of Baal. Okay. So uh, we'll keep reading. Now does the Bible suggest any change. uh, In the fourth commandment. No a no, not in, not a even uh, a hint of change in Sabbath observance is mentioned in the Old or New Testament. Not only that, but Jesus Himself said that the seventh day Sabbath would still be in effect after His death and resurrection, when He said, "Pray that your flight uh, be not in the winter, neither on the Sabbath day." Matthew 24, twenty four twenty. Here he is talking about the destruction of Jerusalem in 70 AD. You know, in Acts 16:13 says, And on the Sabbath, we went out of the city by a riverside uh, where prayer was, uh, was wont to be made. So, you know, this is something for us to all recognize that even Acts, which is after Christ had come and left, that the Sabbath is still a holy day that this is a day that we should observe. Now, Jesus made some exceptions concerning the Sabbath. We're not supposed to judge others according to the Sabbath, but the Lord has made it a holy day, and it's that simple. Okay, I um, will keep reading. Uh, as you can see above, the Apostle Paul and the other disciples also still kept the seventh day uh, Sabbath after... A Seventh-day Sabbath, after Jesus and resurrected, there is not a single hint of the Bible Sabbath being abolished or transformed to Sunday. Jesus did not abolish the Sabbath or change it like so many professing Christians believe today. So we either take God's Word and keep the true Seventh-day Sabbath, our Saturday, or we take man's Word uh, over God and keep Sunday, or no day uh, at all you choose. So that tells you right there that the Sabbath is still in effect. Now we can all practice this and be better at it. If this is the truth, so what? The bottom line is we're going according to what the scriptures say, and that's the way that it should be, plain and simple. If we're not at this level, then it's something to work on. This is not professing law. This is not the law of Moses. This is not talking about legalism. This is none of those things trying to do faith-based works. If the Word of God says it, then these are things that we need to learn to practice and follow. We have no problem following Christmas. We have no problem following Easter. Now, now why is that an issue? Even though we know that those things are pagan, people choose to follow them anyway. But see, when the Lord talks about the Sabbath, now, oh, well, that Lord doesn't matter. Well, guess what? The Lord was never for Easter. He was never for Christmas. He was never for Halloween or any of these days that people claim are so holy. So isn't it funny how the spirit of Antichrist will make people believe, well, you know, it's not about the holy days or whatever. Okay. All right. Let's go there. It's not about the holy days, but you have no problem going to church on Sunday worshiping Easter, even though it's clear that these things are all occult. They're all pagan rituals.
0: It's funny you say that because you try and tell people about the Sabbath and you try and tell them about, you know, Sunday, even though, in I believe it's also in Isaiah where it says that they would change, you know, they would have new moons and new Sabbaths. You know, Christ told us about these things way in advance. Jeremiah chapter 10, you know, talking about Christmas in so many words because if you look at what Jeremiah 10 says, and you compare it to what's going on concerning Christmas, it's the same thing. And what they talked about as far as Easter goes, but it's like they won't keep the holy, holy days. Mm -hmm. They'll push them out of the way saying, oh, well, that was the law. Exactly. You Thanksgiving, Christmas, even Halloween. Mm -hmm. And a lot of churches these days are Christianized. Yeah,
1: Halloween candy and and everything else. They
0: call it uh, winter uh, harvest. Winter harvest or harvest something like yeah, that. Yeah, which
1: is a bunch of nonsense. Yeah. That's also pagan because
0: that's what the people who worship
1: Saturnalia did. Absolutely. And that's all Christmas is, is a Roman pagan holiday called Saturnalia mm-hmm. that goes all the way back to Babylon.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Okay. Catholic false doctrine seven. The Roman Catholic Church teach their members to pray the rosary uh, and other repetitive prayers. The word rosary means crown of roses. Our Lady has revealed uh, to several people that each time they say a Hail Mary, they are giving her a beautiful rose and that each complete rosary uh, makes her a crown of roses. Uh, In every apparition, the Heavenly Mother uh, has, has invited us to say the rosary quoted on a Catholic website. You know, this I don't even like reading this stuff. It's so blasphemous. But again, we're going to get down to who this Mary is that they, they adore and they love so much. We're going to get deep into what these things are, but we'll keep reading for now. Members are taught to say the Hail Mary and repeat it over and over again. Not only that, if you watch uh, the Catholic TV, I mean, any Catholic TV and see the nuns praying, you will see that they send the vast majority of their prayers to Mary rather than Jesus. So what does Jesus himself say about repetitive prayers? Uh, Matthew 6, 7 says, But when ye pray, use not vain repetitions as the heathen do, for they think that they shall be heard for their much speaking. So this tells you right there (laughs) that this is what the heathen do. And it suits our belief because the Bible says that, you know, all of these things have come from Babylon. So it's clearly stating that all they're doing is following heathen deities. Right. You know, this is what the heathen do. Uh, the above is very, I mean, it's just a very small selection of Roman Catholic teachings that are easily exposed as false by reading the word of God in the Bible for yourself. There are so many people who have been uh, deceived by this apostate church, and they need to be called out of her. God is calling, come out of Babylon, my people. Amen. Okay, so what well, we're going to prove that Mary worship is not of the Bible. Let's go to uh, Luke 11 real quick, where Mary worship is attempted. And the Lord rebukes it. Okay. trying to find Luke uh, I think it's
0: um,
1: bear with me one sec. okay we'll start at uh, 26. Eleven twenty six. Okay, then it says, Then goeth he and taketh to him seven other spirits, more wicked than himself, and uh, they enter in and dwell there, and the last state of the man is worse than the first. And this is speaking of spiritual warfare, obviously, you know, when it comes to casting out devils. Verse 27 says, And it came to pass, as he spake these things, a certain woman of the company lifted up her voice and said unto him, Blessed is the womb that bare thee, and the paps which thou hast sucked." So here we are again, a form of Mary worship, right here in Luke, (laughs) Luke 11, verse 27, and listen to the Lord's response. But he said, "'Yea, rather blessed are they uh, that hear the word of God and keep it.' And when the people were gathered uh, thick together, he began to say, "'This is an evil generation, uh, they seek a sign, and there shall be no sign given it. I mean, uh, sign be given it, but the sign of Jonas the prophet. For as Jonas was a sign uh, unto the uh, Ninevites, so shall also the Son of Man be unto uh, this generation. The Queen of the South uh, shall rise up. Let's see. Do I want to keep reading that? okay never mind we'll just uh, go from there but it's funny how he called them an evil generation but when you go in here, he's saying blessed are they that hear the word of God and keep it right So this is not a form of Mary worship. He led them right back to the goal. Exactly. not yeah, my mother Mary, you know thank you for that remark um yeah she she really was a wonderful woman. He didn't get into any of that. He went straight back to the scriptures about following the word of God why? because this was an early attempt of the devil to get a person to worship something outside of Christ. Anytime that that went on, he always took the people and brought them back to the middle of the road. Okay, so uh, that's just one of the many examples that shows that we're not supposed to be worshiping Mary. Uh, let's see. Uh, Catholic False Doctrine 8. The Roman Catholic Church teach that sacraments are necessary for salvation. The church affirms that for believers, the sacraments of the new covenant are necessary for salvation, Catholic catechism. Two things here. Not only does the Bible clearly state that we are saved by grace through faith alone in Jesus Christ uh, and not of works, but these sacraments are not the kind of works that even the Bible commends us to do. These are purely Roman Catholic sacraments like the mass, uh, which is different from biblical communion. The baptism by sprinkling, again, different from biblical baptism. You know, uh, Ephesians 8, I mean, Ephesians 2, 8, 9. For by grace are ye saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Mm -hmm. Now, how can you read this and still think that you need to do more? You're supposed to be led by the Spirit of God to have good works, not doing what they tell you in repetition. Right. You want to add anything or you good? Okay. Catholic false doctrine nine. The Roman Catholic church teach that the priests literally bring down Jesus Christ uh, into the bread and wine of mass. It is by the conversion of the bread and wine into Christ's body and blood that Christ becomes present in, his, in this sacrament. By the consecration of transubstantiation uh, of the bread and wine into the body and blood of Christ is brought about. Under the consecrated species uh, of bread and wine, Christ himself, living and glorious, is present in a true, real, and substantial manner. In this divine sacrifice, which is celebrated in the Mass, the same Christ who offered himself once in a bloody manner on the altar of the cross is contained and offered in an unbloody manner, Catholic Catechism. I mean, it's ridiculous, but we'll keep reading.
0: Doesn't the Pope carry that staff
1: Yeah, Uh, yeah. Uh, The Catholic Church teaches that the priests uh, have the power to call Christ down, Christ Jesus down from heaven and place himself into a round wafer and wine. There is uh, there to be offered as a sacrifice over and over again. What blasphemy. The Bible clearly states that Jesus Christ offered himself a sacrifice once for all, And yet in the the Roman Catholic Church, Christ is sacrificed over and over again. You know, I believe honestly that this is an attempt of Satan to relish in the fact that Jesus Christ died. Again, I even tell people with those crucifixes, their goal was to let you see Christ in his defeated state, dead. Why won't you uh, have a picture of a resurrected Christ? Not that you're supposed to have any of those anyways, because right. that's idolatry. But the point is, is, you know, why is it in him in his defeated state? But then they make you, you know, it's, it's, they make it seem like it's a story of defeat, when really it's one of triumph. Right? It's one of victory. Okay, so um, Hebrews 7.27 says, Who needeth not daily, uh, as those high priests, to offer up sacrifice, first for his own sins, and then for uh, the, the people's. Uh, for this did he once, when he offered up himself. Uh, Hebrews ten two says, but, I mean, uh, uh, Hebrews ten twelve 12 uh, says, but this man, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down on the right hand of God. So, you know, again, out of the mouth of two or three witnesses, let everything be established. Exactly. His scripture upon scripture that's trying to tell the Roman Catholics that these doctrines are false. Okay, Catholic false doctrine 10. The Roman Catholic Church teach that a Eucharist is to be worshipped. The Eucharist is to be worshipped. Because Christ himself is present in the sacrament of the altar, he is to be honored with the worship of adoration, worship of the Eucharist. The Catholic Church has always offered and still offers to the sacrament of the Eucharist, the cult of adoration, Catholic catechism. Can you see how one false teaching then leads on to another one? That wafer which is offered during Mass is nothing more than a wafer, a piece of food. But this is of uh, the important bit to remember within the roman catholic church there is pagan sun worship you will find uh, sun some symbols over i mean all over the church which is why the day of the sun sunday is venerated over the uh, true seventh day sabbath our saturday and what shape is uh, this wafer that is used during mass it is a perfect circle, another symbol of the sun. So, what is being worshiped in Mass? It's certainly not Christ Jesus. No. Uh, the leaders of the Roman Catholic Church have deceived their followers into following the sun. And another quick point, too, is you know, for those Catholics and those Christians and those who see out in uh, St. Peter's Basilica, when you see that obelisk, which is none other than a penis, you know, um, a phallus symbol, um, in the middle with that sundial, those days are for um, satanic ritual abuse. That's another study, but there are certain times of years, uh, certain times of the year when a very wicked people will commit satanic ritual abuse, child sacrifice, uh, sexual orgies, and all kinds of debased things that so happen to be the holidays that we worship in this country. And if anyone doesn't believe me, look up Satanic Ritual Abuse. You'll learn Martin Luther King Day is pagan. It has nothing to do with Martin Luther King. You'll learn that Groundhog Day is pagan. Nothing to do with some groundhog sticking his head out of a hole. You know, nothing to do with Good Friday. Nothing to do with Easter. Nothing to do with Christmas, Thanksgiving, uh, Halloween, All of these things have pagan names. The two most wicked days of all are May Day, May 1st, which is Beltane, uh, the the birth of a lot of things that go on in this world. And then there's Samhain, which is um, Halloween, which is their most wicked day of child sacrifice. So what we understand here is if you look at the eight lines on that sun desk, They are following a pattern of satanic ritual abuse where all of the holidays, um, you know, have something to do with sacrifice. So, you know, what we need to make clear here is these holidays that we worship, some of the most wicked things in the world go on around these times. This is why the Lord says not to engage in them, not to be a part of them. They have nothing to do with him. Now, if anybody doubts that, we can go to First Corinthians Chapter 10. Chapter 10, and we'll start at the 20th verse. No, I'll start at verse 19. Uh, What say I then, that the idol is anything, or that which is offered and sacrificed to idols is anything? But I say that the things which, are, which the Gentiles sacrifice, they sacrifice to devils and not to God. And I would not that ye uh, should have fellowship with devils. Ye cannot drink the cup of the Lord and the cup of devils. Ye cannot be partakers of the Lord's table and of the table of devils. Do we provoke the Lord to jealousy? Are we stronger than he? So recognize when you're celebrating these holidays that they will tell you are holy days that have nothing to do with Jesus Christ. We provoke the Lord in ways like you wouldn't believe. Not only that, we're entangling ourselves and joining up with drinking from the cup of devils and sitting at the devil's table. So, you know, I want to say this, and I have family of my own that are into these things. I'm only saying this out of sincere love and the understanding of God's word and God's truth. How do we worship the Lord in spirit and in truth? So I'm going to say this, that for these holidays that we choose to celebrate, we get into, you sit there at the table and you get ready to have your prayer of thanksgiving to the Lord saying your grace, you may as well go ahead and thank Satan because the Lord himself is not in this. These holidays should be any ordinary day not following the riches the rituals behind pagan beliefs okay so I'm saying that with love if you don't believe what I'm saying then you need to go and research it yourselves so you have a clear understanding as to what the word of God says exactly. and what the lord is for okay um, are we up to 11 yeah okay Catholic false doctrine 11. The, the Roman Catholic Church teach uh, that all sins must be confessed to a Catholic priest. Now, this I blame a lot on Bible translations because there are translations of the Bible that says confess your sins one to another. When it says clearly closer to the Hebrew, the Hebrew and Greek text, confess your faults one to another. Sin is the only thing that the only sins that we commit to God. Mm -hmm. The only person that we hurt with sin is God. We may hurt ourselves, but the Lord is the one that we've transgressed that we've sinned against.
0: And I guess an example of that is, let's let's say I do something wrong against you, Mm -hmm. and I admit it to you and say, you know, it was my fault. I'll never come to you and say, it was my sin. It was my fault. But against God, against Thee, the only have we sinned, That's right. That's, you know, uh, Psalms
1: 51. Exactly. And that's why I tell people, beware of these modern Bible translations, because the goal is to bring people back to the mother harlot Mm -hmm. by changing the words of the Lord to fit false doctrine.
0: Mm
1: -hmm. Okay. It says, one who desires to obtain reconciliation with God and with the church must confess to a priest confession to a priest is an essential part of the sacrament of penance now that's the catholic doctrine let's see what acts 1338 says be it known unto you therefore men and brethren that through this man jesus is preached unto you the forgiveness of sins again there is no mediator there is no priest there is none other than jesus christ that we our sins are forgiven through. You can't get through any other place unto the Father except through Jesus. Exactly. Matthew 6, um, 9 and 13 says, Our Father, which art in heaven, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Okay, so that tells you there it's what we're supposed to do as Christians. All right, we'll keep reading. There is not the slightest hint in the Bible that, that says we need another mediator other than Christ Jesus. First Timothy two, five again. And it is very clear from God's word that we did that we have direct access to God through Christ Jesus and to one and and the only one other than God who can forgive sins is Jesus Christ himself. Um let's go to Matthew nine. Matthew 9, we'll start at the 6th verse. But that uh, ye may know that the Son of Man hath power on earth to forgive sins. Then saith he to the sick of the palsy, Arise, take up thy bed, and go unto thine house. So this is telling you here the authority, when you see that word power, the authority in Jesus is given to forgive sins. Okay, remember there's two words in the uh, Greek for power, exousia and dunamis. So they're talking authority there. All right. Um, there is two other things I actually want to uh, get into briefly. Um, let's see. So we have yet another blasphemous teaching from the Roman Catholic Church. Uh, there was I lost my thought. There was something else that I wanted to add to this about, uh, the, I guess, the forgiveness of sins, but we'll keep going. It'll come back. Catholic False Doctrine 12, this is the final one that we have so far, and it says, the Roman Catholic Church teach, teach that salvation includes the Muslims. The plan of salvation also includes uh, those who acknowledge the Creator in the first place, uh, amongst whom are the Muslims, uh, these profess to hold the faith of Abraham, Abraham, and together with us, they adore the one merciful God, mankind's judge on the last day. This is the book Catholic Catechism, uh, Catechism again. Uh, funny, no mention of Jesus Christ, our, our Savior there. I'll leave you uh, with one final verse of truth. John 14, 6. Amen. I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no man cometh unto the Father but by me. So, you know, this is very interesting because you would think from reading these 12 false doctrines that that would be all we had. Unfortunately, we don't. We had to strip this thing bare to the point to where we recognize that Jesus Christ himself, you know, is the only way to salvation, is the only way to the Father. We're supposed to be disciples of Christ, not of Catholicism, not of Buddhism, not of Baptist, not of Methodist, Episcopalian, you name it. All of those denominations are, if they're not following the Lord Jesus Christ, this is all we need to be with. This is the body of Christ, those who are followers of Jesus, right. not through denominations. I do remember my thought, however, so let's go to, because um, a lot of people are going to say, okay, well, How do you know that this is true? All right. But we know that God's word holds all truth. So let's go to Hosea 2. And we're going to read on what happened to the children of Israel when they began to seek after other gods. Hosea 2, and we'll start at verse 1. Uh, Say ye unto your brethren, Ami, and to your sisters, Ramah, uh, Rahama, plead with your mother, plead for she is not my wife, neither am I her husband. Let her therefore put away her whoredoms out of her sight, and her adulteries, Uh, From between her breasts. Let I strip her naked and set her as in the day that she was born, and make her as a wilderness and and set her like a dry land and slay her with thirst. Okay, a point I want to make clear here. If I don't say this, a lot of people won't get it. This is about the story of the children of Israel who are out whoring on their husband. Who is their husband? God, Jesus Christ. You know, Israel itself was a type of wife, you know, a type of uh, children of God. So, you know, they're out here when they speak of them cheating on the Lord. These Israelites are going into false doctrine and forgetting the ways of the Lord. And this is what much of the church is doing today. So this is the Lord giving a recap of a love relationship between he and his people, you know, their marriage. OK, um, verse four. And I will not have mercy upon her children, for they be the children of hoarders. Uh, For their mother hath played the harlot. Uh, She that conceived them hath done shamefully. For she said, I will go after my lovers that give me my bread and my water, my wool and my flax, mine oil and my drink. So, you know, one thing about the world, we can love the world, the things of this world. What we need to understand is that the Lord, even while you're in the world, is giving you many of the things that you have. You know, it's the favor of the Lord is what's allowing you to be able to have these things. Yet we lean towards the world. And that's how we fall into error. Yep. Verse six. Therefore, behold, I will hedge up thy way with thorns and make a wall that she shall not that she shall uh, not find her paths. This is how we get lost into the world. And she shall follow after her lovers, but she shall not overtake them. And she shall seek them, but shall not find them. Then shall she say, I will go and return to my first husband. For then was it better with me than now. So what we need to understand here is this is when you lose your way. You don't know the Lord. The Lord shuts you out just for a little bit. He lets you go on this way that you want to go, and you will not find what you're searching for other than following the Lord. Okay, so this is what they're comparing it to. Uh, I will go and return to my first husband, for then was it better uh, with me than now. So this is talking about a return to the Lord. For she did not know that I gave her corn and wine and oil and supplied her silver and gold which they prepared for Baal." So the Lord gave them all these wretches and we want to set up Baal and take care of him. Mm-hmm. So this is a part of, you know, that infidelity, that cheating, you know, that committing fornication with the other gods. Right. Verse nine, uh, "'Therefore will I return and take away my corn "'in the time of thereof, and my wine in the season thereof, "'and will recover my wool and my flax, given to cover her nakedness. So the Lord will restore on you a sense of wholeness other than your shame that you will have following the other gods. Yep. And now will I discover her lewdness in the sight of her lovers and none shall deliver her out of my hand. And I will also cause all her uh, mirth to cease, her feast days, her new moods, and her Sabbaths, and all her solemn feasts. And I will destroy her vines and her fig trees, whereof uh, she hath said, uh, These are my rewards that my lovers have given me, and I will make them a forest, and uh, the beast of the field shall eat them. So what we need to understand here is, the Lord, a lot of people forgotten the Sabbath, us included, you know, because of the fact that We sought after other gods. We learned the ways of the heathen. Mm -hmm. We followed the traditions of the heathen. These things that we were not supposed to be engaged in. Mm -hmm. So let's go to Colossians 2 real quick. I want to make a key point because a lot of people like to run here, you know, and they better understand the difference between holidays, which should be heli days. And holy days. Yep. Okay. Uh, let's see. Uh, we'll start at the fifteenth verse, Colossians two fifteen. And having spoiled principalities and powers, he made a shoe of them, openly triumphing, tri- triumphing uh, over them in it. Let no man therefore judge you in meat uh, or in drink or in respect of in holy day, or of the new moon, or of the Sabbath days. Now, some people would look at this here and say, aha, but look at what it says afterwards, which are a shadow of things to come, but the body is of Christ. So eventually, the Lord is turning us back to the Sabbath and the holy days. Okay, so this is not a thing of, well, that was once done. Now, that may that time may not be now, but the shadow of things to come in the millennial reign of Christ, we will be following the Sabbath. Mm-hmm. We will be following the holy days. Right. We will be following the things that the Lord had set up. Now, how you know this isn't talking about holy days is because the Bible doesn't talk about Christmas. It does, but in a negative form. Right. Okay. So it says, Let no man judge you. So it means that we're not supposed to tell people you're not saved or you're not good because you're not following the holy day. You're not following the Sabbath or the new Mm moons. What people have to understand here is, you know, those things don't win you salvation either. But if you want to worship the Lord and reverence the Lord, these are some of the ways of doing it, of recognizing the days that he set forth. So it's funny how we worship Easter, but no one worships the Passover, mm-hmm. which the Bible clearly speaks about worshiping. Okay, so I have a list here of the days. And just that, to make a
0: quick point, yeah. um, I believe in when you spoke about other Bible versions, some other Bible versions mistranslate Easter and call the
1: Passover under other versions. Right, and they're totally wrong with that, so we're going to cover that too as to why the king james has that part correct and some people think it's a misprint or there's something that the enemy tried to place in there as the truth so we'll cover all of that but um you know here's a list of um it's called the seven annual sacred feast uh, of uh, old covenant okay so you have um the feast of unleavened bread um you have the passover here uh you have uh let's see feast of unleavened bread the passover uh there is the rosh Hashanah. okay so a matter of fact i'm just going to read through these so everyone has an understanding it's the passover it begins uh the literal litur- liturgical it's a liturgical year um signified uh, the redemption of israel okay you can find this in exodus 12 1 through 4, Leviticus 23 and 5, Numbers 9, 1 through 14, uh, Numbers 28, uh, 16, Deuteronomy 16, 1 through 3, uh, and uh, Deuteronomy 4 through 7, uh, Matthew 26, 17, Um, what is that, Uh, let's see, but anyway, that's just a list, okay, of what they had, and the description Old Testament and application, um, New Testament, Old Testament uh, slaying and eating a lamb or kid. Now we know that that's not done anymore. It's done through Jesus Christ. Okay, the second is the Feast of Unleavened Bread. It's called the Hag uh, Hamatzat. And uh, you can find it in Exodus 12, uh, Exodus 13. And this is not turning people back to the law, so people get an understanding. You're not forced to do these things. We're just saying what the holy days were that you're reading in Colossians 16. It's not about Christmas. They're talking about the Lord's holy days. Okay, Um, The the second, well the third is weeks, which is the day of Pentecost. You know, you find that in Exodus, uh, Leviticus, Numbers, you know, there's the trumpets, um, Rosh Hashanah. Um, What is it? The beginning of the civil year signified in calling Israel into judgment. And then there's the day of atonement. You know, that's just one of few. You know, we have others, but um these are the holy days that the Lord is speaking about. It's not the days that, you know, many people believe that they are. So um from here, uh, I want to go into... How the similarities between Catholicism and um, Islam, and uh, also going into scriptures that will speak of the false doctrine that the enemy has. Yeah, you can say something if you want. I'm uh, getting everything set up. No,
0: that's fine. I mean, It is important, I think, that, you know, like you, like you say, uh, like it's been said, I mean, the Bible speaks of the holy days that they kept, and, but, you know, through pagan rituals, or, uh, through, uh, you know, letting the enemy make us comfortable, we've decided to take these, you know, these things, these holy days out of the picture and we decided to let Satan replace them with his unholy days, I guess you could say.
1: Yeah, and it's like a total transformation, you know, with, uh...
0: Transferring the
1: absolutely. So, um, we're going to get into this, uh, Mary worship real quick. I think we ought to knock that out before we go into the other things. Um, yeah, I think that's important. So, um, what people need to understand about Mary worship is it's, um, totally pagan. Um, let's go to, we're going to get on this whole thing concerning Easter. Uh, Let's go to Jeremiah 44. Okay, now one thing we need to understand here is the Catholics themselves call Mary... The Queen of Heaven, so we have to understand where that term comes from, and it's not outside of the Bible. The Lord actually addresses it. So, let's go to uh, 44, and we'll start at the at verse 19. All right, everyone, there, you there? All right. Uh, and when we burn incense uh, to the Queen of Heaven and poured out drink offerings unto her did we make her cakes to worship her and pour out uh, drink offerings unto her without our men? You know, so this tells you here that this queen of heaven they're speaking of is none other than Venus, okay, of the Greeks, I believe, um, you know, and Diana to the Romans, okay? Uh, this is also Semiramis, who is the mother of Nimrod, and then you have um, Astaroth was uh, what the prophets of Baal worship, yeah. okay So this is what the whole Jezebel thing and all that stuff comes from. This is all based on Baal worship. This is where we get Easter, Ishtar, you know um, the, the goddess Ishtar, you know Isis. This is the real reason why the Catholic Church uh, reverences Mary. It has nothing to do with the mother of Jesus. It's more to do with the pagan deity, uh, Ashtoreth, okay? Or, um, well, Ashtoreth is the female for Baal. Yeah. But again, you know, it's Diana, it's um, all the others. So this is what we're talking about. So um, we're going to prove that and go further. But right now I want to get into another verse. Um, it's Jeremiah uh, 44, 25. But I do want to make one point about baking these cakes. That word for cake is Kaman. These are some of the things, these hot cross buns, that's what a kavan is like. This is what people celebrate on Easter with the food and drink offerings and baking these cakes. So this is a practice of Easter, you know, right here in the Bible, even way back then. Okay. So um, from here, we'll go to Jeremiah 44. Well, we'll stay in 44. Let's go to the 25th verse. And it says, uh, Thus saith the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, saying, Ye and your wives uh, have both spoken with your mouths and fulfilled with your hands, saying, We will surely perform our vows that we have uh, vowed to burn incense to the Queen of Heaven and to pour out drink offerings uh, unto her. Ye will surely accomplish your vows and surely perform your vows. Therefore, hear ye the word of the Lord, all Judah that dwell in the land of Egypt. Behold, I have sworn by my great name, saith the Lord, that my name shall no more be named in the mouth of any man of Judah in all the uh, land of Egypt, saying the Lord God liveth. Behold, I will watch over them for evil and not and not for good. And all the men of Judah that are in the land of Egypt shall be consumed by the sword and by the famine until there be an end of them. So what people need to understand here is the Lord is pronouncing judgment because you know what? This sounds just like the women, okay, or the people that choose to follow in these holidays, despite what people of the Lord are telling them. They still feel, it's, it's funny when you tell people about Christmas, you know, what they should have or what they should do. Oh, no, you're not going to take away my Christmas, my Christmas. I'll just Christianize it. That's good enough for me. You know, and the Bible says if the foundations be destroyed, then what can the righteous do? Right. So if it had a pagan, you know, ritual beginning, it'll have a pagan ritual ending. Exactly. You can't involve Lord the Lord in things that have nothing to do with him. Just like First Corinthians ten verse twenty says, but you know what? I want to go back to twenty for a minute because I think this is a key point. Uh, this is Jeremiah forty four twenty. It says, uh, and this is after they said that they would, you know, make cakes to the queen of heaven. Jeremiah twenty, uh, I mean forty four twenty says, then Jeremiah said unto all the people, to the men and to the women, and to all the people that had given him that answer, saying. The incense that ye burned in the cities of Judah and in the streets of Jerusalem, ye and your fathers, your kings and your princes and the people of the land did not of the Lord remember them and came it not into his mind. So here they are. All the things that the Lord has done for us. And we rather lift up pagan deities to try and prove a point. Yep. OK, 22. So that the Lord could no longer bear because of the evil of your doings and because of the abominations in uh, which ye have committed. Therefore is your land a desolation and an astonishment and a curse without an inhabitant uh, as at, as at this day. So another key point we need to understand. Everybody want to know what's wrong with America? Don't blame the Russians. Okay, don't blame the Chinese. Don't blame the Illuminati. Don't blame any of these people for their acts. They would not be able to commit them if we were upholding the Lord. Okay, if we were reverencing him and not reverencing the the gods of evil or the devil, then we would be a blessed nation. And this is pretty much what Jeremiah is saying, uh, 23. Because you have burned incense and because you have sinned against the Lord, And have not obeyed the voice of the Lord, nor walked in his law, nor in his statutes, nor in his testimonies. Therefore, this evil has happened unto you as that as at this day. Moreover, Jeremiah said unto all the people and to all of the women, hear the word of the Lord. All Judah that are in the land of the Lord. I mean, the land of Egypt. Thus saith the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, saying, ye and your wives have both spoken with your mouths and fulfilled with your hands, saying, we will surely perform our vows that we have uh, vowed. Now, we read this, but I'm putting it together. Okay, to burn incense to the queen of heaven and to pour out drink offerings unto her, ye will surely accomplish your vows and surely perform your vows. Therefore, hear ye the word of the Lord, all Judah, that dwell in the land of Egypt. Behold, I have sworn by my great name, saith the Lord, that my name shall no more be named in the mouth of any man of Judah in all the land of Egypt, saying the Lord God liveth. So the Lord is not even there. He's departed. Okay, when you're into this stuff. So the Lord is saying pretty much don't call my name and commit these acts. I'm not in this. I've got nothing to do with Christmas. I've got nothing to do with Halloween. I've got nothing to do with Easter. Those things are outside of what the Lord says to do. Okay? And we're going to go to Jeremiah 10 2 to tackle this Christmas thing. You know, if anyone wants to believe what they want to believe, they're welcome to it. I'm only, our responsibility is to tell people the truth. Exactly. These pagan rituals did not begin with December 25th, I mean, Christmas or whatever they started that. This goes way back. All the Catholic Church had done was bring forward the old pagan deities and tried to Christianize it. And not
0: only they also find people into bondage, they take you back into Egypt.
1: That's right. And let me tell you another thing, Christian. Isn't it funny? You're following Roman Catholicism. Isn't it funny? Well, they didn't give up a thing. They still have their Zeus. They still have their Diana. They still have all their deities, but they try and get you to forsake your Lord. Don't you see where you're being set up? They didn't lose a thing. And you know what? Even if, even if it was Peter instead of Zeus there, guess what? We're not supposed to worship them anyhow. We're not supposed to worship Mary. We're supposed to be following the Lord. So they're wrong again. Okay, but I'm just telling you the reason why these things are being done. I'm pleading with you to turn from that, accept the truth in Christ, and escape religion because that's all it is. Mm -hmm. All right, Jeremiah 10, we'll start at the first verse. I mean, yeah, first verse. Hear ye the word which the Lord speaketh unto you, O house of Israel. O body of Christ, O church of God, O Catholic Church. Thus saith the Lord, learn not the way of the heathen and be not dismayed at the signs of heaven for the heathen are dismayed at them. You see this? Learn not the ways of the heathen, okay? For the customs of the people are vain. For one cutteth a tree out of the forest The work of the hands of thy workmen, of the workmen with the axe. They deck it with silver and with gold. They fasten it with nails and with hammers that it move not. Now, if anyone doesn't believe that this is an old pagan deity Christmas tree, you're welcome to believe it. We're going to cut into that, but then it goes on and on. They are upright as the palm tree, but speak not. They must uh, needs be born because they cannot go. Be not afraid of them, for they cannot do evil. Neither also uh, is it in them to do. I mean to do to do good. For as much as there is none uh, like unto thee, O Lord, thou art great, and thy name is great in mine, Who would not fear thee, O King of Nations? For to thee uh, doth uh, it appertain. Uh, Appertain of uh, for as much as among all the wise men of the nations and in all their kingdoms there is none like unto thee. So what we understand here, the Lord, the Lord is talking about idols. Mm-hmm. He's talking about things that we place before Him that we think are so great, but He's saying, "Don't fear them, fear Me, because I can do something to you." Right? Okay. It's not about there's none like God. So why would you need to put up a Christmas tree? Now, some people would say, that's just decoration. You are building an idol. Okay, and like I said, we're gonna go into that. We're gonna give an explanation of it. But one thing we need to see, I don't care if there are pastors in Christian churches. We're not just talking about Catholics here. We're talking about Christian churches that are also engaged in this act of you know, uh, idolatry. You know, following fake false gods, not following the God of the Bible. So this isn't just about the Catholics. This is about all those who want to participate in this. This even speaks to the atheist.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: All right. Uh, do wanna... Isn't it funny how they say, just one thing, how they
0: say that Christmas is supposed to be about Christ, right? That's right. Well, then how is it that everybody can serve? Christmas if it was about Christ. Atheists can celebrate Christmas. Mm -hmm. All religions, if they're so Jews, can celebrate
1: Christmas. That's right. And if Satan is the god of this world, then why is Christmas so popular? Mm -hmm. You can't even bring people to Jesus, but you're celebrating the birthday of Jesus? The Bible doesn't even say Jesus was born then. So this is another thing that we're going to clear up too, because we're going to find that that winter solstice is the birth of Tammuz and people have such an attitude towards Tammuz, whose birthday is really December 25th. Let's go to Ezekiel 8 real quick, just to show you how people love to reverence, you know, this Tammuz character that they try and say is Christ. I wanna make sense, this is not about, I'm not giving exposure to make anyone feel bad, but one thing I'm going to tell you is the truth. And that's what we have to be able to, to see. Exactly. We have to be able to grasp it. Deception is everywhere. It's on every side. That's right. Okay, let's see. You know, I just think I picked up something. Hmm. One second. Okay, we'll start at. uh, We'll start at. uh, Let's go to verse. Now, you know what? Let's start from the first verse. This is too good to pass up. All right, Ezekiel 8, we'll start in verse 1. And it came to pass in the sixth year, in the sixth month, and. In the fifth uh, day of the month, as I sat in mine house, uh, and the elders of Judah sat before me, and the hand of the Lord God fell there upon me, there I behold in lo, a likeness as the appearance of fire, from the appearance of his loins even downward fire, and from his loins even upward as the appearance of brightness uh, as the color of amber. And he put forth his, uh, the form of an hand and took me by a lock of mine head. <laughs> and the Spirit lifted me up uh, between the earth uh, and the heaven and brought me in the visions uh, of God uh, to Jerusalem uh, to the door of the inner gate and looked toward the north, where was uh, the seat of the image of jealousy, which provoked to jealousy okay so they're talking about jeremiah being lifted up being shown in the spirit you know these pagan idols you know and we're going to go further for and behold the glory of god i mean of the god of israel was there according to the vision that i saw in the plain. then said he unto me god a son of man lift up thine eyes uh now of uh, the way toward the north So I lifted up mine eyes of the way toward the north, and behold, northward at the gate of the altar, this image of jealousy uh, in the entry. He said, furthermore unto me, son of man, seest thou what they do, even the great abominations that the house of Israel committed here, that I should go far off from uh, my sanctuary. But turn thee yet again, and thou shalt see greater abominations." So, Jeremiah's being shown here in the spirit. Isn't it funny, Wait, well, not Jeremiah, uh, Ezekiel, forgive me. Ezekiel is being shown here in the spirit. You know, uh, the same things like Daniel saw, the same things like John saw, where they're being shown the abominations of the children of Israel. You know, idolizing these pagan gods, the things that people want to get into. The Lord says, "Should I go afar off from my sanctuary? But turn thee yet again, uh, and thou shalt see greater abominations." So he can't even—he doesn't even want to be around that to be able to see these things that are going on. You know, this is total fornication with the other gods, doing things outside of what God calls us to do. Yeah, exactly. Seven. And he brought me to the door of the court, and when I looked, behold, a hole in the wall. Then said uh, he unto me, son of man, dig now in the wall. And when I had digged in the wall, behold, a door. And he said unto me, go in, and behold, the wicked abominations that they do here. So I went in and saw, and behold, every form of creeping things, uh, an abominable beast, and all the idols of the house of Israel portrayed uh, upon the wall round about and there stood um, before them seventy men of the ancients of the house of Israel and in the midst of them stood uh, Jezaniah the son of Shaphan uh, with every man his center and uh, his hand and a thick cloud of incense went up. So seeing here, too, they're even uh, recognizing and worshiping ancient men of Israel. So, I mean, this thing is decked out in idolatry. Mm -hmm. Okay, there's even a chance, because it talks about the creeping things and beasts, that some of these things may even be zodiac signs. You know, things that people are into. Right, and he says that the heathen are dismayed at the things in the... um, you know, in the sky. Yep. Okay, Okay. Um, Twelve. then said he unto me, son of man, hast thou seen what the ancients of the house of Israel do in the dark? Every man in the chambers of his um, imagery. So, you know, when they talk about images, they're talking about idols. You know, so this is what they're doing. For they say, the Lord seeth us not. Uh, the Lord hath forsaken the earth. They think they're getting away. Now, this is the key part. He said also unto me, turn thee yet again, and thou shalt see greater abominations that they do. Then he brought me to the the door of the gate of the Lord's house, which was toward the north. And behold, there sat women weeping for Tammuz. So this Tammuz character is the character that, believe it or not, we celebrate Easter because of the fact that um, there's the legend that Tammuz was killed by a wild boar because he was a hunter. A wild boar killed him, and because of that, the Catholics came up with eating a ham for Easter as vengeance for Tammuz. So, see, this is where this whole tradition comes from concerning this. Tammuz is even also the, the baby that Mary or Semiramis is holding, you know, uh, for the Catholics, which talks about his birthday being on December 25th. This is who you're worshiping, not Jesus of the Bible. Right. And to prove it, I'm going to grab my concordance real quick. And I'm going to go into this. I mean, we've passed a lot of time. I'm about to shut it down. But this stuff, I
0: mean, it really is important that everyone have an understanding. Of what's going on, and you know, when it talks about you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free in Matthew, Matthew 8, it's important that we all know what that truth is, and it's exposing Satan's kingdom.
1: Okay, now I'm looking up the word Tammuz, the number is H8542, Mm -hmm. and it clearly says it means sprout of life, but it also means a Sumerian deity of food for vegetation. This is also Baal. This is also Nimrod reincarnated. This is whose birthday is December 25th. Yep. The Eye of Horus. This is Horus. Okay, this is Cupid for, for Valentine's Day. Yep. these is, is all the individuals that people want to get into, yep. you know, and trust in. Okay, so from here, um, I'm going to read out something, and then I think... We might be able to conclude from there because we've gone into the scriptures. Um, actually, I want to get into this Easter thing. Let's go to um, 1 Kings 11. There's a lot of people get that thing about, you know, Passover or Easter being in the Bible. 1 Kings 11, and we'll start at the fourth verse. And it says, For it came to pass when Solomon was old that his wives turned away his heart after other gods, and uh, his heart was not perfect uh, with the Lord his God, uh, as was his father David. For Solomon went after Ashtoreth, that That's also Mary, that's also Diana, that's also Venus, the goddess of the Zidonians, and after um Malcolm the abomination of the Ammonites. And Solomon did evil in the sight of the Lord and went not fully after the Lord as did David his father. So what do we understand here about David who followed the Lord? It's clearly stating, okay, that David followed the Lord, and Solomon had not. So if you're worshiping Easter, then you're worshiping Astaroth. Then you're not following the God of the Bible. It's that simple. One other quick point I want to make, John um, 20. We'll go to John 20, St. John. said, people can believe what they want, but the scriptures here tell you straight up, What's what? Okay. John 20, and we'll start at the first verse. The reason I'm bringing this out is because Catholics and us, we're all taught that Jesus died on Good Friday, which is another pagan day, okay? And um, that we... um, Jesus died on a Friday, and then after that, that we're, um, you know, he resurrected on Sunday. Now, there's only two days there, so what's really going on? Because, you know, what we need to understand is, is, that a lot of these rituals are done, you know, for pagan deities. They follow the patterns of the moon. They're able to read and understand when the next Easter is. If you notice that Easter is never on the same day, Why? because they're following the patterns of the moon. They're not following the truth. So they're, they're going after astrology and other things that the Bible says to stay away from. Now, the, the rumor is Jesus was killed on a Friday, okay? Friday at 6 p.m. or whatever, he died. He was buried and he resurrected Sunday. If he says that he'd be in the, in the um, body of the earth, the heart of the earth for three days and resurrect, someone's offered day. More importantly, we're going to figure out that Jesus himself didn't leave, didn't rise on a Sunday morning. So again, we're not following the traditions of the Lord. We're following the pagan traditions when you follow Easter. All right, this is um, John 20. We'll start at the first verse. Uh, the first day of the week cometh Mary Magdalene early when it was yet dark, so still dark unto the sepulchre, and seeth the stone taken away from the sepulchre. So this tells you right here that, so we will read in verse 2, Then she runneth and come to Simon Peter, and to the other disciple, uh, whom Jesus loved, which is John, and saith unto them, They have taken away the Lord out of the sepulchre, and uh, we know not where they have laid him. So this tells you clearly here that, Jesus was already gone on a Saturday night. You know, I believe it was either a Wednesday or like the Passover, you know, like a Wednesday or something. But there was there was three days, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. There was no Sunday involved in it. He didn't rise on a Sunday morning. If she came by early and it was still dark. Now, you can say that that's dark early morning. Yes. But part of it is he was already gone. Exactly. So it must have been during the night or whenever he was gone. It had nothing to do with the day. Right. But, you know, it is interesting when you study who Tammuz is and who Horus is that an image dropped from Jupiter on a Sunday morning, you know, which talks about um, these pagan deities. Mm-hmm. And this is where they try and mix it up with the Lord. I do want to go to Acts real quick. Um, let's see. Okay. Yeah, we'll go to Acts fourteen and we'll start at uh verse three. Okay. Acts fourteen, verse three. Long time before abode they speaking uh, boldly in the Lord which gave testimony unto the word of his grace and granted signs and wonders to be done by their hands. But the multitude of the city was divided and part held with the Jews and part with the apostles. And when there was an assault made, both both of the Gentiles and uh, also of the Jews with their rulers to use them uh, despitefully and to stone them, uh, they were aware of it and fled unto Lystra and Derbe into the city of Laconia Laconia, um, and unto the region that lieth round about. And there uh, they preached the gospel, and there sat a certain man of Lystra, impotent, in his feet, being a cripple uh, from his mother's womb, who never had walked. The same heard Paul speak, uh, and steadfastly beholding him, and perceiving that he had faith to be healed said with a loud voice stand upright on thy feet and he leaped and walked and when the people saw this when he saw what paul had done they lifted up their voices saying in in the speech of laconia uh, the gods are come down to us in the likeness of men and they called paul barnabas i mean they called uh, barnabas jupiter and they call Paul Mercury because he was the chief speaker. So, you know, Jupiter is none other than Satan, okay, none other than Zeus. And you have Mercurius here, which is, you know, another deity called Hermes, which goes all the way back to Egypt. So this stuff was going on. Uh, then the priest of Jupiter, so Jupiter has priests, okay. There are people that reverence, now understand where I'm coming from, guys, they reverence they are priests of jupiter so what would you call the catholic priest if that's really zeus that's up there in uh, st peter's basilica what does that tell you you know that they are they are priests of jupiter this is what they do this goes all the way back to babylon uh, 13 then the chief uh, of priest i mean the priest of jupiter uh, then the priest of jupiter which was before the city brought oxen and garlands unto the gates, and would have done sacrifice with the people, which when of the apostles Barnabas and Paul heard of, they rent their clothes and ran in among the people, crying out and saying, Sirs, why do ye these things? We also are men of like passions with you, and preach unto you that ye should turn from these vanities unto the living God which made heaven and earth and the sea and all things that are therein. So they understand here, they're worshiping idols, you know, and not following the Lord. Let's go to Acts 19 real quick. And um, from there, I'll read one quick thing and we'll be done. Acts 19, and we'll start at verse 34. All right, starting in verse 34, it says, "Uh, But when they knew that he was a Jew, all with one voice about the space of two hours cried out, Great is Diana of the Ephesians. Now, Diana is Mary, Venus, Astero, Artemis, the sister of Apollo, both daughters of Zeus, This is who the Catholic Church reverence when they talk about Mary. It's Diana, it's Venus. She's supposed to be the daughter of Zeus, the sister of Apollo. Mm -hmm. Apollo is another name for also Nimrod. Okay, but we'll continue. Okay, great is Diana uh, of the Ephesians. And when the town clerk had appeased the people, he said, ye men of Ephesus, what man is there that knoweth not uh, how that the city of the Ephesians is a worshiper of the great goddess Diana and of the image which fell down from Jupiter. So this tells you here that they're talking about, you know, the Mary worship again. This is where we get the egg. That image is supposed to be the Easter egg that supposedly fell down and gave birth to Tammuz, you know, gave birth to uh, Cupid or, you know, whomever, Horus. So what we need to understand here is This is also, you know, Diana worship. This is Zeus worship. This is Catholic church worship. Okay, this is what they believe in. This is why we have Easter and all these other things. It has nothing to do with the God of the Bible. Do your own research if you don't believe me. Okay, so for me, I want to read one thing and we'll conclude. You know what, I think we're good. I think that we have proven um, certain points um, concerning this. I think that we got across, we hope that we got across to those that all of the things that the Catholic Church worships and represents go all the way back to Babylon. I recommend a book called The Two Babylons. That book will expose that the papal church Or the Catholic Church goes all the way back to ancient Babylon. Okay, all of the uh, cultures do. Okay, so for me, I want to go to Psalm 115. I want to close out with that. And uh, we should be done. But again, you know, it's not to rub in people's faces the truth in God. Let's go to Psalm 96 first. right understanding our god O oh, sing unto the lord a new song sing unto the lord all the earth sing unto the lord bless his name shoot forth his salvation from day to day declare his glory among the heathen his wonders among all people for the lord is great and greatly to be praised he is to be feared above all gods little g For all the gods of the nations are idols, but the Lord made the heavens. Honor and majesty are before him. Strength and beauty are his sanctuary. Give unto the Lord, O ye kindreds, uh, the people. Give unto the Lord glory and strength. Give unto the Lord the glory due unto his name. Bring an offering and come into his courts. Okay, so... I wanted to read that, but let's go to Psalm 115 real quick, and then we can conclude in prayer. Okay, we're going to read Psalm 115 straight through. Uh, Not unto us, we'll start at the first verse. Not unto us, O Lord, not unto us, but unto thy name give glory for thy mercy and for thy truth's sake. Wherefore should the heathen say, where is now their God? But our God is in the heavens; He hath done uh, whatsoever He hath pleased. Their idols are silver and gold, the work of men's hands. They have mouths, but they speak not. They have, um, they have, uh, eyes. They eyes have they, um, but they see not. They have ears, but they hear not. Noses have they, but they smell not. They have hands, but they have, but they handle not. Feet have they, but they walk not. Neither speak they through their throat. Uh, they that make them are like unto them. So is everyone that trusteth in them. So if you can't speak, if these images can't speak, walk, hear, see, whatever, it's saying if you worship them, you're like them. That includes St. Peter worship. That includes Mary worship. Mm -hmm. Okay, that includes, for those who know that it's really about Zeus and Samarimus, that that means even them. But turn from your ways and and come to the Lord. Verse 9, O Israel, trust thou in the Lord. He is their help and their shield. O house of Aaron, trust in the Lord. He is their help and their shield. Ye that fear the Lord, trust in the Lord. He is their help and their shield. The Lord hath been mindful of us. He will bless us. He will bless the house of Israel. He will bless the house of Aaron. He will bless them that fear the Lord, both small and great. The Lord shall increase you more and more, uh, you and your children. Ye are blessed of the Lord, which made heaven and earth. The heaven, even the heavens are the Lord's. But the earth has he given to the children of men. The dead praise not the Lord, neither um, any uh, that go down into silence. But we will bless the Lord from this time forth and forevermore. Praise the Lord. All right. So that tells you there, that even speaks against purgatory in verse 17. Well, the dead praise not the Lord. You know, there's nothing you can do for those people. We are given once to die, and after that, the judgment. All right, so we'll conclude in prayer. God, Sarah.
0: Heavenly Father, I want to come to you tonight, humble before you, thanking you for another day that you have given to us, another day that's not been promised to us, Lord, where we can come and worship you, Lord, and we can learn about your truths. Lord, I am so thankful for everything that you have given to us. Lord, everything that we need to go forward into this sinless, I mean sinful world, Lord, to preach and to teach the gospel, you have given us everything that we need. And Lord, what it takes now is a real faith, a real faith in you, Lord, that we can go out and we can do these things. And Lord, I pray that you will seek A true and right relationship with you. Lord I am asking and praying that. You be with this ministry. Lord that you will build us all up. That you will make us a strong people Lord. That whatever things that we have placed in front of you. Whatever idols. We have placed in front of you Lord. Whether it be television. Radio. Family members. Friends traditions, religion, everything, Lord, that we have placed in front of you, that these things be taken down and moved out of the way so we can seek you, Lord, so you can be in our lives. And Lord, I pray that we would be given into more prayer and fasting, that we'd be willing vessels for you to use in this ministry. Lord, I honestly believe that you want to, believe, that you want to bless this ministry. Lord, you need us as willing vessels to do the work of the ministry, Lord. It's not work for salvation, but it's work for the ministry. It's things that you want us to do. It's showing forth our faith and belief in you. These signs shall follow them that believe. And Lord, how do we know that we believe? We should be comparing ourselves to you and your scripture and not comparing ourselves to the world. Lord, we've got to kill off this flesh. We have got to be willing to sacrifice everything, all and everything to serve you. Lord, I pray that you would be with those today that need to call upon your name, Lord, that need to have a relationship with you. I pray, Lord, that they would call upon the name of Jesus, the name above all names, so you can touch their lives, Lord, so you can heal them. Absolutely. of whatever things are going on in their lives Lord so they can be builded up in you so they can seek you Lord Lord I pray that whatever family members and friends that are bound by religion today Lord that those religious blinders be taken off stripped away Lord so they can see that you are the king of kings and Lord of lords Lord that they should be giving themselves over to you not some man not some building help us to see Lord that Satan, he is the prince of this world, this age, Lord, this present day. And he wants to bind us. He wants to define all Christians that believe in you. He wants us to bind us in these things so we can peacefully coexist with him. But, Lord, your word says that your gospel, that you, you would not be, this would not be an all-inclusive gospel. Lord, you even said that you would be hated of all men, that you came into the world. And the world knew you not. Your own creation knew you not, Lord, because they didn't have a relationship with you. And that's what we need to seek, Lord, is a relationship with you. We need to stop following man. We need to stop following traditions and start following you and what your word says. And I pray, Lord, that you would give us the fortitude to go forward, to not be afraid, to not have fear. Lord, these are things that we've got to start understanding and learning and make it a part of our life. That if we want to have favor with you, we need to do your will. Lord, I pray that you would be with Martin, and Laura, Eric and Holly and little Eric and Jake and Mikel, Andrew and his situation. I pray that you would bless him, Lord, and build him up. He is the youth coming up, Lord. And I pray that you would be with Sue and her husband and Dick and Marge. Lord, and all others, be with those who have gone a different direction. Be with those who are are no longer following you, Lord, that you would touch these individuals life, that you would bring them to you before it's too late. I pray also that you would be with Chantel and Ryan and Jessica and all others, Lord. Touch these individuals lives. Be with those who have been invited to come to the the conference, Lord, if it be your will that they come, bring them, Lord, I pray. Lord, just we are living in beginning of the last days. This is no time be playing games with you. We need to be sanctified, purified, set apart, Lord, unplugged from this world and not entangled with the affairs of this life. Lord, I thank you again for everything that you have done for us. I pray that we would give ourselves over to you fully. I thank you again for this ministry and everything that you want to do with us. I pray that you would build us up to bring lost souls to you because that's what it's about. This is not about gain. This is not about favor with the world. It's not about looking at me, Lord. It's about bringing and leading people to you. I pray that you would help us understand the spiritual warfare that we must fight in. We take on the full armor of God, as your word says, because that is our defense against the enemy. Fill us with your Holy Spirit. Guide us and direct us and lead us this day, I pray.